Generation Church, based in the beautiful Rex Theater in the heart of downtown Pensacola, Florida. Our hope is that today's teaching will encourage and equip you to be firm in faith, to fulfill the call of God in your life, and to finish well. Grab your Bible, open up your notes app, and let's dive in. From the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. And then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with with each of them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I've made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he who had also had um, the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I've made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He who also had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gardening where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his master answered, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I've gathered no seed? Then you ought to have at least invested my money with the bankers And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it. Take the talent from him and give to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Thank you, Craig. God's word is so refreshing, isn't it? Well, that last part's a bit harsh. <laughs> but uh, we, have, we read the whole, the whole context, right? And at least we have a fair warning. Uh, good morning, Generation Church. I'm really glad to be here uh, and share and delve into the word with you. We're going to actually look at three texts this morning. Matthew 25, which we just read, but also Psalm 90, and then a portion of Luke chapter 10. And I'm really excited to dig into the word with you today. Um, in this series called Entrusted, the idea is that we want to be faithful with what God has entrusted to us as a church. Pastor, Pastor Ray explained uh, very clearly what that looked like for us in a practical way with the four lanes. But as I was thinking about that, I was thinking of the fact that God has entrusted us as a church, you, 
And that's why our desire, when we come together on Sunday, truly as pastors, we get together and we want to do everything so that we can help you fulfill the purpose that we have for you. Uh, are you to come here? Or are you to become a member of this church? That you would be firm in, your, in the faith, that you would fulfill the call of God in your life, and that you would finish well. And so one way that we can do that is to help you and equip you with, with the Word of God. And so as we look at this theme, God has entrusted you. We looked at last, uh, two weeks ago, we looked at the idea that God has entrusted us with treasure. That God, last week, God has entrusted us with relationships. And today I want to look at the fact that God has entrusted us with time. God has entrusted you with time. And so the question is, how are you using that time that he's given you? Now, I love that word entrusted. Even just that graphic, you can see that the underlining there for the middle word, trust. Entrusted. What does that mean? I tried to think of an example that would work for me. And so I thought of what would be one of my most valued possessions. I didn't say people. I said possessions. And so I thought right away of my guitar. I love my guitar. Uh, I love leading worship with it. I love writing songs with it. It has a sentimental value for me. And it's not that it's uh, overly expensive, but I use it a lot. And it's, it's my, my weapon of choice, right? I, I love my guitar. And as a result, I don't let just anyone touch my guitar. Maybe some of uh, my, my worship team has realized that and noticed that. But not everybody touches my guitar. But if someone needed it, if I were to entrust it, and that's a big if, it's a big deal. And, that, and that's how it makes sense to me, this word entrusted. Check, check it out this way. If I am to entrust my guitar to someone, I am giving something that's mine. Okay, keep that in mind. I'm giving something that's mine. I very much care about this thing. In fact, if I entrust it, it means I trust the person I'm entrusting it to. I expect my valued possession to be used if I, are, if I am to entrust it. And I will hold someone account accountable if it is misused or unused. Not really. I can't hold someone accountable, but I sure would be disappointed. In the same way, as we look at time being the talent here in Matthew chapter 25, time belongs to God. How many of you would agree with that? He is outside of time, but time belongs to God. He values time. In fact, and think about it this way, let this sit for a while if he entrusts us with time, he trusts you with it. God trusts you. That's amazing to me, that God trusts us. He expects you to use it wisely. And contrary to me, where it's just about disappointment, God will hold you accountable for how you use it. And that's why we read what we read at the end. And it's a little uncomfortable when we read it, but because that's the truth. And so let's begin verse 14. We read, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. So there we have it. It is his. Now, when we talk about for it will be, we're referring to, and we've been talking about this for the last few weeks, to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God that is here and now. In this period of time where we are waiting for his return, where we are living on the edge of heaven, as we sang, in this period of time where we're waiting for his return, he entrusts us with his property. And so for us this morning, we look at it being time. Time is his to give and it is valuable. In fact, think about it this way. Without time, all the talents we're talking about, whether it be our treasure, our relationships, or next week, our actual talents and gifts, all of that would be useless if we didn't have time. 
right? Time is truly the, the canvas on which we place everything else. Time is precious, it's his, and we must not waste it. We thrive on all these other things because of the gift of time. Now we read in verse 15, to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability, and then he went away. It reminds me of the years in our life. Not everybody lives to the same age. But the question is, do we live to the fullest, the the, the years that God gives us? I'm reminded of a missionary, uh, Jim Elliott, and these missionaries that died for their faith uh, with the Incas, And so as they were over there, they were young. They were in their 30s. But one of them penned this, and I'll never forget it. He said, like, what's important is that I I, I don't live a long life, but I live a full life, a life to the fullest where I have done what God has called me to do. And so it doesn't matter the, the length of years, but what are you doing with that time frame that God has given you? Some of us have five talents, 80 plus years. Some of us have two talents, maybe a little less but what are we doing with those years? So we aren't allowed to the same amount of years in a lifetime, but but one thing we do have all in common is 24 hours in a day. And 24 hours in a day, what will we do with those hours? What will we do with those 1,440 minutes in a day? I I was uh, doing some research and I found this article uh, in 2020 um, from a, a website called Visual Capitalist. And it's this organization called OECD, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, that uh, showed the time use database that they used, and this is for ages 15 to 64, how a country spends 24 hours in a day. And so there's all these countries. I'm just going to look at, at the United States since we are living here right now. And so look at how time in 24 hours is spent for the average American. See if that corresponds to you. If you're taking notes, you might want to write them down because that might serve us later as we consider how we use our time. So the average American will spend eight hours and 48 minutes in sleep. Man, already I can't check that. I sleep a lot less. 63 minutes of eating and drinking. 122 minutes of housework and shopping. Probably more shopping than housework, right? 57 minutes in personal care, 96 minutes in volunteer work, 31 minutes in education, 251 minutes in paid work, 292 minutes with leisure. And that means hanging out with people, but probably most of us, and especially after this post-COVID era, it's more the binge watching we do or the scrolling that we do in this media era. So the question is, what do you do with the 24 hours that you are allotted? And we can't add one minute to those 24 hours. When I was younger, you know, we often have been asked that question. If you had 24 hours left to live, what would you do? When I was younger, I thought I'd be smart. You know, I'd outsmart everybody and be like, well, this is what I would do. I figured this out. It's 10 o'clock. If I'm to drive or fly fast enough west, then an hour later, it's still 10 a.m., I did it. I have conquered the the gift of time, right? I can live as long as I want. I'm a genius. Yeah, genius, keep going. Keep going west. Time zone after time zone. Run out of time zones, cross the international dateline, and you realize you wasted a whole day traveling. So that is not sustainable, right? So time, we're entrusted with time. Here's the human problem. We don't use it well, if we're really honest. We don't use it well. Verse 18, Here's the servant who who also shows what the problem is. He who had received the one talent, what did he do? He dug in the ground and hid his master's money. 
So I thought of that. How do we hide time, right? I think there's two ways we hide time. Number one is this. We waste it away. We waste it. Notice the faithful servants in verse 16. He who had received the five talents, read that with me, went at once. Went at once and traded with them and he made five talents more. Notice the prompt obedience, right? And then us, what we tend to do is procrastinate. That's something we're very good at. We know the excuses very well. I don't feel like it. I'll do it later. Ooh, video game. And we escape, right? We escape. In this media era, it's killing the valuable commodity of time. Now, a binge once in a while, a scroll once in a while, it's, it's okay, within reason, right? And I'll be the first to say, I am grateful for this communication age. For me, it's so easy and also so far-reaching. I can talk to my sisters across the pond, my parents across the pond. And I'm grateful because even as a church, we're able to communicate with our online community. We have people watching right now, and there are people on the social media team right now communicating with them and pastoring them and shepherding them. And so I'm grateful for the online community that we, have, we can have an influence on. And so the, the, the thing is, is that there's a lot of good with the media era, but how many of us would be uh, clear to say that there's a lot of bad too? I don't even have to go into detail about that. But isn't it interesting, this slippery slope that can happen to us, it's a slope that our parents never had to deal with this. With. And so we are in a very specific time where it's an uphill battle if we are not careful and waste our time away. So that is the first way that we can hide time. The second way we can hide time is this. We cram too much in. I got 24 hours, but I've got so much to do. And then what ends up happening is we become busybodies. October 20th, a few days back, was what um, many businesses call Info Overload Day. This is something that started in 2009 with one particular business, and they decided to, to, to tell their employees, you know, on that day, you don't go online, just enjoy your family and friends. And this, this trend kind of continued, and so all kinds of businesses, businesses have been doing this. But isn't it true that we can get so much information, too much information, Again, scrolling within reason, but if you're just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and you're getting all this information into your brain, you're being very ineffective. Not to mention all the negativity that can come and jump at you, right? It can be detrimental in the end. It can render you ineffective. And, and keep that, that word in mind. Because what happens is when we cram too much in, really what it is is ineffective busyness. All the many, many activities we do, right? All the things we have to get done, and then when you look back on your day, you realize you didn't accomplish anything. How many of you sometimes feel like, and this is kind of a funny term, but like a chicken with his head cut off, right? I don't know if you've ever seen that. A farmer cuts a chicken's head off, because by the way, that's sometimes what we eat, and it's a chicken. It's a real chicken. It's a live chicken. But then it dies, right? And the head's cut off. Well, the body runs all over. It, like it keeps on going, and it has no place to go. And so sometimes we can feel like that. Like we don't, we're, we don't know where we're going. We don't know what we're accomplishing, but we're doing something. I'm moving forward. I'm doing something. We only have 24 hours. And today, let's consider how we can use those hours wisely. And I think one way to do that is by being effective. One of my favorite stories on this, on this idea, something that I shared with our home group a couple weeks back, is this, this, this uh, story of an old man and a young man together. And they're about to cut and chop down uh, a tree. 
and each one has their own tree. And so the young man who likes com- competition, he's like, hey, uh, why, don't, why don't you, uh, let's, let's do a race, ready? Uh, on three, let's go, let's see who cuts it faster. Young man's thinking, I've got the muscles, I've got the endurance, I can do this. So the old man's like, all right, you're on. And so the old man goes to his tree, young man goes to his, ready, set, go. Young man starts chopping as hard as he can. And man, he's got those muscles to show for it. And he's seeing the wood getting deeper and deeper. There's some people around, some friends, some family. They're gathering. They're like, yeah, yeah, come on, you can do it. And the young man thinks he has it made, right? At one point, he's thinking, I'm going to take some time just to see where, where the old man is and looks. And he sees that the old man's not doing anything, or so it would seem. He's sitting under the tree. He's doing something, but he can't really see what he's doing. He's like, oh man, he hasn't even started. I am going to win this thing. And so the crowd is still there just encouraging him and the young man's hitting hard. And all of a sudden he hears another wood chop and he's thinking, oh, finally the old man's waking up from his nap. Here we go. And so he starts hitting again and the cheering is getting bigger. And man, what a great competition. Well, all of a sudden he's not done yet. He's still chopping and the crowd is saying, yeah, he did it. And the young man's thinking, no, I didn't. I'm still working on it. He looks and he sees and the old man has chopped down his own tree. The young man's like, what on, what, how, how did he do that? So he goes to see the old man and says, I don't understand. I mean, I've been chopping this nonstop and you, I saw, weren't you resting? Were you napping? What's like, what did you do? And the old man said, son, this is a good lesson for you. While you were chopping aimlessly as hard as you could, I was sitting under, under the tree resting, but more importantly, sharpening my axe. Sharpening my axe. We have all these things that we think that we need to do because we don't take time to be effective by sharpening our axe. And we're talking about what that means to us as Christians. By sharpening our axe, when we don't do that, we're just not going to be effective. We're going to waste our time. We're going to cram too much in and in effect not do anything. And so we want to learn how to be effective by being intentional with our time. And so the human problem is that we hide it. Why do we hide the time? And I think there's an answer here in Scripture, verse 24 of the passage we've been reading. It says, He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, now watch this, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. And when I look at that passage, I'm like, do you know the Master though? I don't know about you, but when I see the Master and I know the Master, I don't think he is hard, he's just. God is not hard. The reason we hide is because we actually don't know the giver. We think we do because we mirror maybe what we, our vision of God, our vision of the master. But if we truly know him, we realize he is not hard. He is just. And guess what? We realize, oh yes, he does reap where he sows. Why? Because he made you. Even if it's just the breath in your lungs, anything you accomplish for good, any good and perfect gift comes from him. And so yes, This master is not a hard man, he is just. And this master, yes, he does sow where he reaps because he made you. So why do we hide? A lot of times it's because of our lack of knowledge of the master. Maybe that's some of us this morning. Do we truly know the master? Not only is the lack of knowledge of the Lord, but it's also this, and we've been saying this for a couple weeks now, so I'm just gonna add to it, unjustified fear. It's the lack of knowledge of the Lord and unjustified fear. That's why we hide time. We read verse 25. So I was afraid. I was petrified. (laughs) And I went. I know I ruined that verse forever for you, by the way. You're going to read that. You're going to always think that. You're welcome. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. 
What I learned from this passage is that we truly reap what we sow. See, as a result, now, and, and don't miss this, as a result of not being faithful, everything he said about the owner that was not true came true. He made it true. It wasn't the master's uh, fault or the master's doing. See, I think the real human problem is that we don't admit that we are the ones that are wrong. We always blame it on something or someone else. Adam blamed it on Eve. Eve blamed it on uh, the serpent. And then we blame it on society and culture and our parents. Enough. Repentance is saying, God, I'm wrong. Repentance is like David saying, Lord, I have sinned against you and against you alone. And so sometimes we can sin with how we spend our time. We reap what we sow. We bring it upon ourselves. We brought, and so this servant, he brought upon himself the harshness of the master, when in fact the master, God, is good. When in fact the master is God, the definition of love. You see, it was his consequences of his actions, not the master's. The master just applied the decisions that we made. You see, there's a warning for us how, how we are to use time, but really the individual not the master. The individual brings upon himself the undesired consequences. If there's one thing you can get out of this is that the human problem is that we tend to blame other people when it really does fall on us. And that's truly key because when we do realize that, we come to the master and we find that the master is full of forgiveness and the master welcomes us with wide open arms. And so the divine solution, I'm going to share it in just a minute by looking at Psalm 90. And I'm going to read the context first so you can kind of see the comparison. Like who is this master, right, as opposed to us? Notice the frailty of limited human life. And then on the other side, the alpha and omega outside of time, in control of time. We read, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Watch the eternity factor here. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Now watch man. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away. We're talking about the years. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. Again, the anger because of our disobedience, because of what we decided to do. It, the onus is on us. And so the consequences are then in effect. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set, notice it, our iniquities before you. Our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. I'm continuing to show you the human problem, and one of it is just the limited time. Our time is limited. The days pass, much like the hourglass you see behind me. The grains fall in one by one. 
It really is just simply a countdown, bringing us closer and closer to the end, making us realize life is fragile. And we are weak. Let's just admit it. And as we do, then the divine solution comes, beaming his light, because when we are weak, he is strong. But Christ came from heaven. He left, think about this, his timeless throne outside of time and came into our specific time, in a specific time and year, over 2,000 years ago, he came, God, God himself, God the Son, walked on earth and pointed to the Father. And if we accept him, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he is Lord, we will be saved. The Bible says that he is preparing a place for us in eternal glory. Right now we are living on the edge of heaven. But there is something coming after that. But until he comes back or we breathe our last, listen, we are to spend our time on him. If there's one thing I want you to know about everything that's being said right now is just this. What does it mean when we are entrusted with time? What are we to do? We are to spend our time on him. Now you're going to see that there's different ways that looks. It's not just about being in a monastery and, and, and just talking 24-7 to God and never interacting with anybody, okay? But we are to spend our time on him, every last minute on him. And this is how God wants us to make it look. And how can we know? This is how. Verse 12, so teach us. That's the, that's the divine solution, is asking God, Lord, teach us. Teach us to number our days so that we may get a heart of wisdom. And here's the second thing, verse 14. And Lord, satisfy us. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. So the divine solution for us is to look to God outside of time and come to him and say, God, I need you. God, would you teach me? God, I want to be satisfied in your presence. It's really living under God's wisdom and in God's presence. Teach us to number our days. Lord, make our days worthy and worthwhile. Isn't that a good prayer? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, one of my favorite verses, 15 and 16, says this, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, watch this, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Wouldn't you agree? As the years go by, as we get closer and closer to Jesus' return, the days are evil. How are we using our time? Look carefully then how you walk. How do you do that? By looking to Jesus, by asking him to teach us. We need the wisdom from above to know how to use our time wisely. We need the guide of the word of God. We need the guide of the spirit of God. You see self-help books, proven techniques, even lists. I like to make lists for the week and everything. Those are okay, but listen, without the word of the spirit, we're not gonna be able to be as effective as we wish. The only word of the Spirit, the sharp two-edged sword that pierces to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Only the Word of God can truly discern what is time worth spending. Let the Word teach you. Because if you say that, Lord, teach us to count our days. Listen, days well counted will be a life well lived. Days well counted will be a life well lived. So Lord, teach us. And then the second thing is, Lord, satisfy us. Satisfy us with your presence. There's no better way to live each day than to be aware of God's presence. 
I love how John Piper says, he says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. What would it look like to spend each day satisfied in him? Well, God would be glorified for one. To be satisfied in him, though, is not only the divine solution where we're asking, and he's the one, he's the one, right? But we have our part to play in this. Just like we have our part to play in the problem with sinning by not admitting that it is actually our fault, so the problem is ours, and now the response is ours as well. What do we do with this knowledge now that, that we are to be taught by God and we are to be satisfied in his presence? What does that look like? To be satisfied in him is not only the divine solution, but it's part of the human response. Why? Because we have to learn to position ourselves to be satisfied in him. So here's the human response. Number one, prioritize your time. When I think about the idea of positioning yourself in such a way to learn from him and to be in his presence, I thought right away of the story in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, with two sisters, Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha, friends of Jesus, uh, sisters of Lazarus. And so now, verse 38, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now watch how, how the word describes Martha and how the word describes, describes Mary. So Martha welcomes him first into her house and she had a sister called Mary, look what it says about her, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. That sounds a lot like what we just read in Psalm 90. Lord, teach us to number our days. Lord, satisfy us with your steadfast love, with your presence. Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching, verse 40. But Martha, now there's nothing wrong with doing, right? But the word is very clear by using a very interesting word here. But Martha was distracted. See, that's the problem. Busyness. Martha was distracted with much serving. Can someone say busybody? Right? There's no, there's no problem with doing things and helping and serving. I mean, it seems like a very valid thing. Like someone's got to take care of the house, right? That makes sense. But look what Jesus says, the, listen, the lesson that he gives, not to Mary, but to Martha, because he cares about both of them. She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Look what the Lord answered. He said, Martha, Martha, here's the motivation of the heart. You are anxious and troubled about many things. Why is she anxious and troubled about many things? Because she has not chosen the good portion of sitting at Jesus' feet, learning what is truly his will, nothing more, nothing less, therefore being effective in the time allotted to her. I believe it is so important that we prioritize our time. There's lots to do in a day. But if we were to focus on the author of time, let him speak to us, let him teach us how to count our days, and we spend time in his presence, listen, I believe we'll gain time as we do his will, nothing more, nothing less. Our human response to God's divine solution is to learn from him how to prioritize our time. How do you do that? Well, for the believer, it's learning to have that constant eternal perspective. And we've been talking about this. Last week we talked about it a little bit. I'm just gonna use a short phrase. This is one that I use a lot for myself. It's God first, others before self. That's something that we need to walk into and follow. God first, others before self. One way, how Jesus said it, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, period. Next phrase. And a second is like it. 
you shall love your neighbor as yourself. When I look at this, I actually see something threefold here. You have God, you have others, and you also have yourself. You're to love your neighbor as yourself. So if you're not healthy yourself, you can't be effective to love God and others. You know, one very clear example, and you've seen this before, you know, if you're on an airplane, they always tell you, so if there's ever any turbulence, if, if, the, if the oxygen masks come down, make sure and give it first to the child next to you before you put it on yourself, right? But or make sure you put it on yourself, I'm sorry, before the child next to you. It doesn't make sense, right, until you realize, well, no, if I don't have the mask, I'm not going to be able to help the child. So I have to put it on myself first so I'm aware and I can better help the person next to me. So it's God first, others before self, but you got to be in that equation as well. You can't just neglect it. And so spend time on him. That's the, the whole key this morning is how do we spend time on God? The way we spend time on God is by loving him, by loving others, by loving yourself in that order. So prioritize your time. That's our first human response. And here's the second one I'd like to submit to you this morning is trust his timing. I think faith is a great way also to honor God with what he's entrusted to us in terms of time, is to trust his timing. Can I just say, and maybe you'd agree with me, God is never late. Maybe someone has to say that to themselves this morning. God is never late. So the whole idea behind entrusted is that he trusts us to use time effectively. It's what we've been saying, right? Well, for it to be effective, we've been learning, we have to give it back to him. We, we receive treasure, we give it back to him. We receive relationships, God places relationships in our life, we nurture them well by giving it back to him. And so the same way we receive time, we trust his timing. So the next time you're in a traffic jam or you're waiting on someone or you're thinking that you're wasting your time, would you just take a moment and sit back? This is something very practical. Sit back and trust God and see especially if you prioritize your time in that you gave your day to him, I'm telling you, he's in it sometimes, even in those seemingly unforeseen circumstances. I've got a, a great story for this. Happened to me a couple years ago, a few years ago. Um, I was so excited because my dad was coming from France to, to see me. I hadn't seen him in a few years. And I was so excited uh, to just spend the couple hours I would have with him. He had told me that he'd be meeting with, uh, with someone else. They'd be having breakfast and then he'd come. So here I am waiting in my, in, in my office and just counting the minutes. The problem is the more I'm counting the minutes, not doing anything and just kind of waiting, I start to hide my time in another area that I didn't mention called frustration. See, we can hide our time with frustration. And I'm looking at the, at the minutes past. And I'm like, man, I'm missing, I'm missing out. It's not fair. In, in less than two hours, I, I, I'm going to have to hand him over to my sister in Mobile. I only have this amount of time with him. And I was craving that time with him. And so I'm waiting and waiting. He, he really arrives fairly late. Uh, so when I see him, of course, I had to like uh, really wrestle with my, my feelings. I give him a big hug because I'm happy to see him. We get in the car and I'm like, dad, you were late. And I'm glad because my, my dad was able to really calm me down and say, Brian, it's okay. I had a really good talk with, with, um, with this person. But here, now I'm here with you. Let's take advantage of the time we have, right? No point, no point there being any frustration added in the mix. And so, of course, I understood that and said, yeah, yeah, sure, no, no problem. So we, we start our drive. We, keep, we start talking about different things. And uh, I'm thinking, man, but we are late. Like, we are late. I hate that. I hate being late. And as we get closer to, uh, to Mobile, uh, my dad just looks at me and says, hey, why don't we just stop for lunch somewhere? And I'm like, okay. And we get into this, this restaurant, and I see someone that um, 
I'm really close with, a good friend of mine that I knew was going through a really hard time. And I think that someone like my dad could have really helped him in that specific time. And what were the odds, except that it was God's perfect timing, that we were to find this young man who lives in Pensacola but just happened to be close to Mobile for some kind of errand he was running? Only God. That's when I realized, that day I realized, like, God is never late. And it really helped me. That one circumstance has helped me many times over. If ever I'm late, if ever I'm behind someone, if ever I'm getting impatient, to just be reminded that God is in control of time. And that if I'm late for whatever reason, let's say, let's say it was really an unforeseen circumstance, I had nothing to do with it, that I could trust God, that maybe, there, that he's, maybe, maybe he's behind it. And so I just wanted to leave that with you. Trust his timing. Would, would, would I have left on our time, what I determined was my time, I would have missed what I think was a divine encounter. So since then, I've learned to trust God's timing. So, so one, one way we can respond to, to uh, God's prompting uh, to teach us and to just be satisfied in his presence is for us to sit at, at his feet, to prioritize our time, God first. The second thing is to trust his timing. And secret number third point, it's not on your outline, but I figured that I would l- let you know now because that's what you'll be discussing, discussing in your home groups this week. The third thing I think is this, to identify the times. Prioritize your time. Trust his timing and identify the times, the seasons in which you are. And so you'll be going through Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 and 8, and just kind of talk through, oh, this is where maybe I may be, and we'll be able to encourage each other and pray for one another as we um, learn to accept the seasons that we're in, the times that we're in, and in that moment, when we identify the times, to then, once again, turn to God and say, Lord, teach me to count my days in this moment, in this season. Teach me what it means to count my days, how to be effective with my time as I am satisfied in your presence. Band, you can come up as I begin to close. That's the call for us this morning. Count your days. Lord, teach us to count our days because days well counted will be a life well lived. You see, every day, once again, points to the hourglass, the sign of an end closing in, drip by drip, grain by grain. Our days are numbered. But God's wisdom can teach us to number them well, to make them effective. How? By putting God first and trusting his timing. God entrusts us with the valuable and limited commodity of time. And so may we use it wisely according to his will. Because if we do that, then comes the end, right? At some point, that hourglass will come to an end. As Psalm 90 said, the years of 70, if by strength 80, and maybe more, or maybe less. However, God knows the numbers, the numbers of our years. He knows the number of hair on our head. He knows the number of our years. What are we doing with our time now? And so when that end comes, I would pray that what we would hear is what the servant heard. I would pray that as the countdown comes to a close, that we'll realize it truly is just the beginning of something greater. Matthew chapter 25, verse 23 says, And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. For us, when it pertains to time and how we steward our time, may we hear, Well done, good and faithful servant. You used your limited hours in a day. You used your 24 hours well. Well done, good and faithful servant. 
You use the 364, 365 days in a year. Well, you did it to the best of your ability, but more importantly, you trusted me with it and you came to me daily and you spent time in my presence and you let me teach you. Well done, good and faithful servant. You spent your years on this earth. Well, now, after spending this limited time on earth, now enter into my joy for eternity. And it's as if that hourglass that represents our life coming to an end, what God does is just switches it around and now the grains fall endlessly as we continue to be taught by wisdom himself and as we continue to dwell in his presence forever, face to face with him, no longer living on the edge of heaven, but crossing into eternity and serving him forever. Well done, good and faithful servant. Maybe there's some here you would say, well, as I look back on my past, as I look back on this week, as I look back on the last 24 hours, I've kind of wasted it. I've kind of crammed too much in. Well, we already heard that the answer is the opposite of the problem. Let's stop blaming others. Let's accept responsibility. Let's repent. But here's the promise, and I love this. Joel chapter 2, verse 25. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. I love that promise that when we come to Jesus, when we come and we turn around and we repent and we come to him, we make up for lost time. The past is truly in the past. As far as east is to west, our sins are, are spread out that way. And no longer is there any power in it. And so come to Jesus with everything that you are. Let him wipe away the tears that only come through true confession. And once you do that, that's, that's the key of recognizing your responsibility. God does the rest because he's already done the rest. Jesus died on that cross over 2,000 years ago. His sacrifice paid the debt. So all we need to do is just accept him accept his love, and walk into this relationship. Maybe for some of you, you have done that. And maybe the time has come to just renew it a little bit more because you've been wasting time or you've been cramming too much in. But now you can just acknowledge that it's no one's fault but our own. And so, Lord, teach me now. Lord, satisfy me now. That would be your prayer. Maybe there's others here. You have never entered into a relationship with God. And time wasting, that's almost become like a normal thing for you. But God wants to bring you into his life. And in his life is also eternity and an internal perspective. And you can start looking and shifting your view on that. And you will see also everything that has been done erased as you can walk. I love the fact that time only moves forward. Okay, we're not in some science fiction movie. Time only moves forward. So what's done is done. Now what do you do with the rest of your life? That's the reality. That's God's grace right now. It doesn't matter what's happened. Accomplishments or failures, right? Crowns, doesn't matter. Now, what do you do with the time you have left? That's the question I want to pose before you. Don't dwell in the past. The Apostle Paul says it this way, forgetting what is behind, striving towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal. Time only moves forward. What's done is done. What will you do with the time you have left. Just let that sit for a while. We'll leave that up. Just look at that question. 
And that's where I hope your response is, Lord, I need you. Lord, teach me to count my days. Lord, satisfy me with your presence. God, I position myself now to sit at your feet, to make you first in my life. And see, when you do that, really understand when you do that, you're, you're, you're then equipped to do so much more. That everything you do, you keep on. Even in the mundane, you glorify God. Even as you're doing the dishes, you have a reason to rejoice. And even when you're going to work day after day, and it seems so uh, maybe useless even, God starts to put people in your lives, in your workplace, that you can have an eternal impact on. Would you start seeing every minute of your life as a way of glorifying God? Would you just take a moment and say, Lord, I want to spend the rest of my time on you with how I live my life. What would that look like? What would that look like? So that's my prayer for all of us. It's my prayer for myself. God, I want to spend my time on you. What will you do with the time that you have left? And maybe there's some here, you have not spent your time on God. And we want to take this moment again to kind of set, set the time start all over, right? The past in the past. So we're gonna have our prayer teams up front. If you're needing to just confess before God, say, man, I have wasted my time. Man, I'm cramming too much in. Man, God is not first. That you would, that you would be able to shift that this morning and you walk, walk out of those doors with renewed. We're gonna sing in a minute. We're so grateful for where God has taken us. If you're here this morning, it's, it's not a coincidence. God is calling us now. And he's calling us to just reach out to him and cry out to him. Lord, teach us. Lord, satisfy us with your presence. God, thank you because you are the great redeemer. You redeem the years that may have been stolen because of maybe even our own selfishness, Lord. Now we admit it. We stop blaming others. We come before you and we say, Lord, teach us to count our days. God, satisfy us with your presence. Satisfy us with your steadfast love, Lord. Help us, Lord, to truly have this attitude that says, God, I'm spending my time on you. From now on, I'm spending my time on you. And if I, and if I fail and if I fall, Lord, your mercy, it carries me. Where would I be without your grace? Where would I be without your love? And thank you, Lord, because that love and that grace, it follows me. It follows me all the days of my life. And so, Lord, help us all, Lord, to look at our, the days that, that remain, the hours that remain. Lord, we consecrate them to you. Help us use them to the best of our ability. Help us to be effective as we are focused on you, Lord the different areas in which we find ourselves, different times of day, different seasons, Lord. May we honor you with our time. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thanks for hanging out with us at Generation. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at Generation Pensacola or go to the website at generationpensacola.com and from wherever you download your podcasts. If today's teaching impacted you, We'd love to hear about it, so please drop us a note.